Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Monday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Al Holder from up in uh, Clinton, Mississippi, going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. Kelly Santer on the show later as well. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the show and, of course, Southern Miss. You can enjoy their delicious food seven days a week. They cook it in-house. It's fresh every day, and it's always good. want to welcome Dickie's Barbecue Pit uh, to your home and to your table and, of course, to the Eagle Hour. And also, uh, guys, before we get started, I want to introduce another new sponsor Uh, to the Eagle Hour, and this is a pretty exciting development here in Hattiesburg. If you're ready for a state-of-the-art sports facility, it's here. It's called D1 and D-Bat. They had their grand opening of this past Saturday. Uh, you can got to check out what they offer, memberships to hitting and pitching lessons at D-Bats, five-star training at D1. You can meet their team, and uh, it's comprised of a good number of former Southern Miss baseball players. You can check them out, of course, on uh, Facebook and all the social media. DBAT provides quality teaching environments for professional instruction to enhance baseball and softball games at all levels from Little League through the pros. DBAT has 10 batting cages, four with pitching machines to accommodate baseball and softball, plus experienced instructors for one-on-one lessons. You can check their Facebook pages out. They also have camps and clinic dates to tell you about. It's a great opportunity to improve your game. D-Bat and D-1 in Hattiesburg, and we welcome them to the Eagle Hour. Also want to welcome uh, my good buddy Al Holder, lifelong Southern Miss guy, huge sports fan. And, Al, I appreciate you coming on the show with so much uncertainty right now uh, surrounding sports. I I just thought it would be really interesting to get your input this afternoon because I know you're not just a Southern Miss fan. You are a sports fan uh, like many of us, uh, and you love all sorts of sports. And, Al, I don't know. First, first your thoughts about uh, about not having any sports because of COVID-19. You know, I, I've been uh, relegated to watching Braves games from last year. The only really good thing about it is that I know the Braves are going to win because they're not <laughs> showing games that they lost. But, uh, I like you know, I, I watch uh, – football games uh, and, and baseball games just to watch the sport. I, you know, it's uh, uh, just to see, you know, watch the pitches. I like Division two and Division three football. It's uh, you, you get to see a different brand of football and different offenses and defenses uh, at that level. And uh, it's it's really some, some interesting stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a kind of a dearth of uh, – of active sports uh, lately, for sure. <laughs> no question. Well, lots to get into about this. Uh, let me, uh, Luke, uh, get your comments. Uh, here, here's a poll that I read over the weekend. that was published by Sports Illustrated and uh, really shocked me uh, to, to a degree, to be honest with you, when I read it. It said that 
72% of Americans polled said they will not attend a college or professional sporting event until a COVID-19 vaccine is available. Only 17% said they would without a vaccine. Then they identified what they labeled as hardcore fans. And hardcore fans of individual teams, 61% of those said they would not attend games without a COVID-19 vaccine. 76% said they would watch games on TV if they were broadcasted. So, Luke Johnson, if you're you're planning things out right now, and, and you're the general manager of a professional sports team, you're the athletic director of a college football team, and you're looking at these statistics, how confident are you about meeting your bottom line when you start playing football? Well, there's two sides to it. You know, number one, a lot of the sports teams weren't going to allow fans in anyway, so that's already adjusted, which makes some way that that poll irrelevant. At the same token, there are there are uh, particularly college programs that are going that, that want to let fans in in order to generate revenue. And so on the professional side, you got to feel like, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. This is huge on the college side because we were talking just last week. The big story last week was, you know, maybe a third, 40% capacity would let them in a stadium. And programs like Southern Miss, they need that ticket revenue because they're not going to get money from TV or anywhere else. So, you know, if, if that is an accurate poll, it, it is possibly a, a game shifter, uh, for the discussion. Will college football happen this fall? Right. Al, I don't know what the statistic is, but I, but I do think it's fair to say that that a good percentage of the people who support college football are older people. Uh, they have the money to buy season tickets. They support the schools. Not to say young people don't. They do, obviously. But certainly a substantial portion of, of, a, of a crowd is going to be uh, you know older, more mature adults. Uh, you and I fall in that category, or and, and no one loves football more than you. Would you be comfortable going to a football game uh, in August if COVID-19 is still generating, you know, three, four hundred cases a day in Mississippi and there's no vaccine? That, that's the, the, the million dollar question uh, for me. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm kind of sitting in neutral waiting until, you know, sometime late in July, early August to figure out what I'm, I'm going to do or be able to do at my age. The, uh, uh, I've been to to Southern Miss football games with ten thousand people in the seats, and it's really kind of not exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know, you know, but when you look at fan attendance, you, you go to high schools; they are absolutely it's necessary to have fans in the in the in the seats. That's how they make all their money. If, if you get to college, uh, there's a there's a percentage of of the amount of revenue that you get from a game that comes from, you know, ticket sales and, and all the things that, that come from that. And then there's tele- television revenue and conferences revenue on top of that. So the, the colleges uh, can, can, can maybe adjust their, their, uh, 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 their uh, money accordingly. The professional leagues, the NFL, I don't think they care. The, uh, they get, they get so much revenue from television. I don't think it's, it's going to matter to them so much. That there are no fans in the seat, in you know, in the, uh, the stadium, and so. Uh, it, but for me to to go to a game, I'm just I just don't know. I, I mean, that's a scary kind of a proposition. I I take all the necessary precautions today when I go out in public. Right. And, uh, so yeah. 
Luke, uh, the president of the NCAA told a congressional committee last Friday that uh, because of this virus, that college football could be shortened because of the anticipation of a second wave of this in the fall and that there's a good possibility that all college football could end on Thanksgiving. Your thoughts? Um, my first thought is I'm not trying to be a, a Monday uh, Scrooge, but I could care less what the head of the NCAA says. This is a guy that scrapped the entire NCAA tournament without even reaching out to a single conference commissioner. Okay, so you know I don't. I feel like he's the NCAA primarily is always in it for themselves. They selectively enforce rules. Um, they they punish people that don't make them money. They let people slide that does make them money. Um, and so I don't care what he says. Uh, with that said, though. He does pull the power to be able to cancel something on the fly. So yes, I, I in, in some ways I, I do listen when he says that. I just don't think though. I mean, you're getting word out. You know, Southern Miss is is moving academic stuff up to uh, one week ahead of time in August to be able to finish by Thanksgiving. If our if if the academic side is a go, you're talking about having people on campus, okay? So why would you not have your athletic programs? Doing that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, unless there is in the next month or so a, a crazy second wave of this, and you know we've talked to to Doctor Horn and others, I, I, you're you're not going to get a vaccine by this football season. You're probably not going to get a vaccine by next football season. So if you're waiting around for a vaccine, whether or not to compete in athletic events, it's not going to happen. Go ahead and cancel it anyway. At the same time, if the presidents of the universities and the college boards and the trustees feel like students can be on campus, then student athletes should be able to compete on campus. Well, that's fine, but can a school like Southern Miss afford to play football if there are 10,000 people at each game? What we've heard from Jeremy McLean was that, you know, worst-case scenario was there, there's no fans in the stands. Well, even with worst-case scenario, they're still implying that they will play. I, I heard uh, Jeremy this last week, you know, one of the options would be that you cut all unnecessary games. So uh, I would still think Southern Miss would want to go to Auburn because what's that going to be, Bob, about a million and a half payout? Right. So you want to play that game. But you may not want to travel to play you know, other non-conference games. And, and then you get in the, the icky part of how do you cancel scheduled games and there's contracts and, and all that stuff. I totally get it, but I'm not buying just because the, NCAA commi- or the, the head of the NCAA before Congress last week said something because he really hasn't been trustworthy so far in his leadership. All right, we've got Luke Johnson and Al Holder on the Eagle Hour to kick things off this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about how football teams and football uh, staffs are going to deal with what seems to be already a growing number of college players testing positive for the virus. And, of course, that's not the only potential thing affecting sports in the fall. We'll talk about that as well. Monday edition of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back. Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Looking forward to another week of uh, sports broadcasting about Southern Miss 
and Conference USA. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. You can shop them online at CampusBookmart.net. Pick out uh, your apparel, have it delivered right to your front door, as my wife does almost on a daily basis with Amazon. Or you can uh, go by the store, do it the old-fashioned way, and uh, go visit firsthand, put your hands on it, feel it, try it on. Uh, they got a great selection of apparel and accessories at Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. We're talking to Al Holder, our good buddy up in uh, Clinton, Mississippi. And, uh, and Al, uh, we were talking off air. Uh, there's some talk now about some sporting events being held in the fall without fans. And we've watched NASCAR do that for about three or four weeks now. And while I, I think COVID-19 is going to change a lot of things for a long time, I just wonder if NASCAR hasn't give us an, given us all an example of that you can enjoy professional sports without there necessarily being fans in the stands. What do you think? Uh, yeah, the, those guys in the cars, they, they they don't know anybody's there. They couldn't, they can't hear anything except the, uh, the, the engine running. The, it's uh, and the wind whistling by them. It's uh, uh, I, it, the, the big, I, I don't know who would be the biggest loser in that, but certainly all, all of the people around uh, the, the racetrack and everything that supply fuel for you know all the, the cars and the motorhomes and, and stuff that go in there, they, they've lost uh, a lot of revenue there. Uh, but the, uh, as far as uh, NASCAR itself is concerned, I don't know that they, it really is a big deal to them, uh, to tell you the truth. I, so what about the NFL? Would the same principle apply with the National Football League? No question. Yeah, the 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 NFL could get out there. You know, they can train those cameras down in the field, and you know, I'm sure they can space the cheerleaders out. And the the rest of it is, uh, they they can just put some noise in the background. You know, they've got these laugh tracks on these TV shows. Nobody's in the studio, and they could do that in the background, so you could have all the noise of a of the fans and everything. And uh, it's yeah, they go out there and just get after it. I I don't because the NFL. Like the NBA and all of them, they're just, it's all about the money. It's not about much of anything else. It's just about the money. Right. Okay. As of this morning, Oklahoma State reporting three players with COVID-19, Iowa State with a player, Arkansas State four, Alabama five, Auburn three. Luke, you were around college football coaches, obviously, playing for uh, Jeff Bauer, and you know them a lot better than Al or I. Are college football coaches equipped to handle this kind of dilemma, or are they? They're obviously accustomed to handling football, but they've never been asked to handle this kind of dilemma. How, how are they going to navigate this? Well, I mean, even when when Coach Bauer and he was great on it, he would always default to the medical staff. You know, Todd McCall, he's been there um, since two thousand three. He was my athletic trainer and. You know, one time I rolled up at practice and said, hey, Todd, I'm sick. And I really was sick. I was legitimate sick. Uh, but the, the protocol was if you feel sick, you go to the clinic. And the clinic writes you an excuse, and the excuse sends that to uh, to the trainer, and then the trainer notifies Coach Bauer. Uh, I had to go out to practice that day because I didn't follow protocol. And, and the, the point was, I mean, I didn't have to really do anything because I was sick. But the point was – 
Coach Bauer listened to medical staff, and he listened to what doctors told him. And he wasn't going to further risk a guy. I mean, if a guy needed to, to toughen up, yeah. But he wasn't going to risk somebody if medical staff is telling him that. So every good coach does that. I mean, that's why they, they get paid. That's why they listen, you know. And you can, on the sidelines, you can see trainers and doctors, most of the time the trainers, they'll have depth charts because they know if they go to a coach and they say, hey, this guy's out, you know, everybody knows who's, who's next up. So they're just going to navigate it. And, and you would think that they would, in every situation, people would be uh, handle themselves professionally and right for their players and their program like Coach Bauer did and just default to medical staff. So at these at these places, uh, you know, where there, there's you've had some players, I think it's inevitable, Bob, just because there's so many uh, people walking around with this virus that don't carry symptoms. There's going to be very few programs and very few uh, teams that aren't don't have at least one or two, uh, you know, cases that pop up. I mean, it's inevitable. And so it'll be interesting to see next week or the week after how these first incidents, Oklahoma State, Alabama, mm-hmm. how they respond to it because you're going to see a template probably followed with protocol for everybody else. Al, talk about social unrest on a scale of 1 to 10. How bad would it be in Alabama if they were notified there wasn't going to be Crimson Tide football this fall? <laughs> <laughs> Sam. They haven't got enough jails over there for the, no, for the protesters. No, 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 I just don't see that happening. Uh, Luke, you brought up a fascinating uh, thought uh, in in one of the breaks, and there's obviously a lot of a lot of social unrest taking place in the country right now, and uh, that's another thing that that fall sports are facing. And I thought what you said was so telling. Uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the city council has announced today that they're about to, they have the votes to disband the Minneapolis Police Department. The Minnesota Vikings are not going to play an NFL football game in Minneapolis without security, are they? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and most of the time, you do have police officers, obviously, but, you know, sometimes those franchises, they hire their own security. So, if you are uh, a military veteran, if you are a uh, retired law enforcement, guess what? People are about to be asking for your resume in Minneapolis. This is what is not an option. There is no way in the world that an NFL franchise is going to conduct a regular season without any law enforcement. So you would think that. I don't know what the city's going to do. They're talking about you know their own stuff, and that's for another day for us to discuss. But uh, if there's no official law enforcement with the Minneapolis Police Department, I can guarantee you that the, the private security law firms are about to make a bunch of money from the Minnesota Vikings. All right. As a fan, Al, would that deter you from going to a major sporting event if there was no local police department to provide security in addition to the private security? I, you know, that that is so uh, such a foreign thought to me. Uh, the uh, uh, I remember, of course, when you could just show your ticket and walk into a football stadium or that, uh, any kind of a sporting event. Nowadays, you know, you basically get undressed before you get in there. But the, uh, the to, to not have, you know, police out there in the parking lots and and uh, you know I, that that is the uh, th- that's just going to be interesting. I'm I'm going to sit back and grab some popcorn and watch this thing in <laughs> Minneapolis because it's I just uh, who knows how that's going to turn out. Right, Luke. Yeah. Are the kids that play college football uh, are they able to block all of this craziness around them out and just focus on football? But or, or do you think it, it makes it difficult on the players as well? Just all the uncertainty. 
Well, there, there's a lot of different aspects going on. It, it's rare to find a, a 18 to 22 year old that doesn't have social media or isn't on social media. Uh, I think if you found one of those, he might be wiser than all the rest of us who right. are involved on social media. Um, but yeah, you've got you've got tons of people out there who legitimately are concerned about the protest. They understand the real reason for the protest, not all the anarchy and the looting and the rioting. There are great people in the world that want justice, and college students will be in right in the forefront of that, particularly um, no matter what ethnic group you are, because it impacts you or it impacts people around you. So I think there's a part of it where the craziness that they, they don't need to get wrapped up in, obviously, and they need to be disconnected from it, but to look at an 18 to 22 year old and say, you shouldn't be concerned about what's going on in our nation, you shouldn't be concerned what's going on in our culture, I think would be you know disrespectful and wrong to do that. The key to it is, with everything, is balance. How can I speak out on social and cultural issues where I need to speak out, and how do I do it in such a way that I don't have my whole uh, you know, existence wrapped around the next thing somebody says on social media? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough hill to climb. Uh, as of this morning, you've got a 21-year veteran coach at Iowa, uh, University of Iowa, that has been suspended indefinitely for what some players say were negative experiences they had with him. You've got the Utah defensive coordinator suspended indefinitely because of a tweet he made in 2013, which has now been determined to be insensitive, and it just goes on and on. So there's just so many – there are so many uncertainties right now facing college football. To wrap up this discussion, uh, Al Holder, a many, many, many many-year supporter of Southern Miss and a huge sports fan, I know how much you love sports – and you kind of represent the average sports guy here right now in the Eagle Hour. How difficult has this been for you uh, to not have sports and and to see so much uncertainty with with something that you love so much? Yeah, it's really impacted my life because I, like you say, I enjoy watching uh, all kinds of sporting events. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's really just it's been kind of a uh, like a desert, like being in the desert. Uh, can I say one thing? <laughs> sure. Uh, Pay attention uh, major, if Major League Baseball actually gets kicked off. Pay attention to whether San, uh, Sandlin comes out of uh, uh, the camp on the big club mm-hmm. and uh, whether Dozier goes in and gets a contract with uh, San Diego, m- most likely as a bench player and uh, designated hitter. There we go. Pay attention. We'll keep, yeah. in, keep in touch, and we'll keep in touch with you, Al. Thanks so much for your input, and stay safe, my friend. Yeah, you, you too. Al Holder, everybody. Kelly Sander next on the Eagle Hour. Luke and I will be back. First Bank Studios. Remember now, D1 Bat or D1 and D Bat now open. And uh, if you've got a baseball player in your family and you want to see them get a lot better fast, we suggest you check out those fine new facilities. Open Saturday right here in Hattiesburg. We'll be back. Back on a tropical storm Monday, 
been a little rain, been a lot of wind. Looks like there's going to be more to come sitting here in the First Bank Studio in downtown Laurel. Bob in the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Greatly appreciate Al Holder for joining us in those first two segments. Thank you for joining us for the Eagle Hour today. Third segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just across Highway 49 from Southern Miss. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander joins us. Kelly, hope you had a good weekend. And I, I mentioned this earlier in the program, but really didn't get into it. And a big announcement today. The uh, academic year at Southern Miss uh, being moved up to uh, finish a little earlier in the year. Yeah, I'm going to gonna give you some details here in a second, Luke. But I, I don't know how to take that comment that you made coming back. You know, a lot more wind to come. Here's Kelly. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly what he meant. You just, yeah, I, you just right. read into everything. I meant nothing by it at all. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, the, the, the subtext or the subplot or whatever. Anyway, yeah, you're, you're right. What um, It was announced this morning by the university at uh, Southern Miss that the academic year, which normally would begin toward the end of August, you know, the 27th, you know, somewhere in there annually, has been moved up to the middle of August. And I think the way the calendar falls this year, I think that's going to be August 16th. And the idea is for the entire semester to be done before Christmas. Uh, Actually, finals are going to be all online this year for the fall semester. And finals will be on um, the Monday, I believe, after Thanksgiving. So, but, But all the academic classes and so on will be done that week of Thanksgiving so that the whole semester is done before we get into the months of, uh, of December and January. The idea being that, that uh, if there is another flare-up of you know, COVID-19, that the colder months of December and January have been the, the, the months where it has been most proficient so, and prolific. So um, that's, that's what Southern Miss is going to do. The students who are normally used to starting in late August will start in middle August. But the good news for them is that everything will be done. They'll be able to enjoy, you know, uh, certainly Thanksgiving and Christmas without uh, the burden of having to take finals, things like that. So that was announced by the university this morning. Of course, the high schools, the Mississippi Public High Schools, and their season, which is still certainly in limbo, but this coming Thursday, they're going to start talking about that as to how the the powers that be are going to start talking about what, in what way, shape, or form are we going to have public high schools in school this fall? But Southern Miss has made the announcement August 16th back to school as opposed to late August. Yeah, and so you kind of, uh, I guess for the students, you know, they had a great spring break. It was only about two and a half, three months. But, you know, there there is something about that, especially when we played football, Bob. You know, you go home for Thanksgiving. For us, we got, you know, two or three days. Now they get a whole week. And then you come back, and it's dead week, and then you come back, and it's final. So it'd be interesting to see if they adopt this going forward uh, where you start a little earlier and you, you get a bigger break at Christmas. I think it's something that they may institute whether there's COVID or not in the world. Correct. I, I think, you, yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Luke. I think that, uh, you know, the, the few students that I've asked about this have said, man, they're, they're, they're all for it. Because by the time school gets rolling in August, most of their friends are already uh, in school. So there's nobody to hang out with. 
so they said, you know, if all their other friends are going to be in school, they'd like to be in school too. I think Southern Miss uh, last academic year, the one that we just finished, started like maybe one or two weeks after uh, their counterparts in Starkville and Oxford. So this would make the academic calendar a little bit more uniform. And I think, like you, Luke, that once they get the hang of this one, so to speak, I think they're going to like it better um, than than the way it was before. Because like you said, you you want to you want to be able to enjoy Christmas and kind of relax, but you got the stress of, and it is stressful on these kids taking their final exams, um, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I, I think you're right. I think they might like this long term. <laughs> Why is that stressful, Kelly, for them to have to take a final exam between Thanksgiving and Christmas? It's more stressful than not having to worry about it. You I know, see. N- no, until Bob, you know, until you've got a mortgage, uh, <laughs> un- until you're a parent, you don't know stress. Right. Correct. Um, but I but I was just trying to say that that right. it's more stressful than not having to worry about take a final between right. Thanksgiving. Well, and I think if there are two things we need to make sure we don't see anymore, that's kids not having a period of time when they don't have friends to hang out with. And we, then we don't want them to feel any kind of stress once school starts. Am I have I pretty much got that? Well, you are dripping with sarcasm today, aren't you? <laughs> That's how Bob Getty hugs people, folks. It's, it's with sarcasm. <laughs> All right. On a brighter note, I want to ask you two guys if you saw this. I, so I'm watching a little bit of the NASCAR race yesterday. Good for you. Mispronoun- if, if I mispronounce his name correct, but Kevin Harvick, is, is that not right. like the, the main guy right now? That's right. And they're showing an, in, uh, an in-car camera of him and another guy, right? The guy that's in first, and, and Harvick was leading the race. And I, I, I thought about you, Kelly, because you're telling me these guys are, you know, topping 200 miles an hour in straightaways. Right. And they show Harvick, and he's driving the car with one hand, with his left hand. He's got his right hand just sitting over on the seat, kind of like he's just stretching and getting comfortable, driving with one hand at 200 miles an hour. That means you've got a race car that's working pretty well. You think? <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, and he's, I think he's won already maybe three races this year. Right, um, right. So, yeah, he's having, he's having a heck of a year. And, and the drivers will tell you, too, nobody can stretch a, a gallon of fuel better than Kevin Harvick can. And he's, you know, he's in his... Early forties now, so he's, right. he's one of the old old hands out there. He's uh, having having a great season, um, and the Indy cars got back on the track Saturday night at Texas. Scott Dixon won that event, and of course Wednesday here on the Eagle Hour, we'll be talking with former Southern Miss linebacker Bo Cockfield out of South Carolina, who actually transitioned from playing college football with the Eagles to being on crews in the Indy Racing League. So I'm hmm. looking forward to that on Wednesday. So let me ask you something I asked Al Holder earlier in the show. Uh, this thing with NASCAR has been hugely successful. You yeah. know, the races without fans. Does that not tell us, uh, Kelly, that uh, professional football could likely pull off the same trick? If they have to. You know, Major yeah. League Baseball, there's been a recent development there that the owners have, have countered the players' proposal for a shorter season. Um than what, what than what even the players proposed. So I think the owners, if, if you could say that somebody blinked, the owners did. Although it wasn't a, a major blink, I think they're realizing how important it is that they get a season that they do play some way, shape, or form this year. But if those games happen, if the major league games happen, Bob, they're going to put the broadcasters in their own homes, and they will like like for example, if you have the Direct TV extra innings package. Mm-hmm. 
the announcers will be seeing the exact same thing that you're seeing at the house, and they're simply going to broadcast the games as if they were at the ballpark, but they will be watching the same feed that you'll be watching. Interesting. Well, that's so, the NASCAR, the, the announcers doing the NASCAR races, they're not really at the track, are they? I think they're broadcasting from studios, if I'm not they, mistaken. They, they might. You know, that's a good question. I know that the pit reporters obviously are there because mm-hmm. uh, they've, they've got the masks on when they, you know, they socially distance from, from the drivers. But we were talking about, well, the students at Southern Miss like that, that change in the schedule. Well, if you could remotely do baseball games and never have to lose your house, uh, never have to lose your house, I mean, be able to do the games from your house, that could certainly... <laughs> lengthen your career as a broadcaster, right? Correct, right. I mean, Vin Scully, I think, is close to 90 years old as the voice of the Dodgers, but if you could tell him, Vin, you don't ever have to leave your house, (laughs) and you could do the games. Man, I could. You know, one time they let that guy, you know, Uh they they wrote a grocery list out and let him read it, and, man, it was unbelievable. Like, I could just listen to him do that. Right. Yeah, he's, he's... Still sharp as a tack. You guys don't get any ideas. We're not going to do high school football from your house this fall. No, that that would be that would be pretty difficult, you know. And really, from a morale standpoint, for a lot of these communities in Mississippi, who you know, the high school football team, you know, that kind of carries the torch for the whole town. That's right. You know, they, they really somehow need to get high school football in. It just means so much too for a morale booster for a lot of these communities, but. We'll see as they start to tackle that subject on Thursday as to what what public school is going to look like this fall. You changing your forecast at all, Kelly? No, I'm not. I, and Bob, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything to make me be any more positive about it. And in fact, if I just read body language of coaches, you know, I, if I changed it, I would change it, you know, more so to the to the no rather than to the yes. But, and I know you know a lot of these guys personally, and, and so you – that's interesting to hear you say that. You you think they're growing more pessimistic, the coaches? I'd have to say yes. That's not what they're saying. You know, obviously that's not what they're saying. But just reading their body language, though, I, I yeah, I would say that they're more pessimistic than optimistic. Right, right. I would rather be dead wrong in August and be positive in June and July just for the slight hope. So I'm going to say there's no way in the world that we're not playing high school football. And whenever it happens, it'll hit me on a Tuesday or a Wednesday afternoon. I'll just get over it then. More about Kelly Sander and us reading Kelly's body language. That would be like a novel, correct, Kelly? That would be a long read. Yeah, it's like War and Peace. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day, located on Highway 98 or online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Search their entire inventory, new, pre-owned, and certified vehicles. Let Toyota of Hattiesburg help you with your next vehicle purchase, and they're a proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. We continue with Kelly Sander, Bob, and I from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and Laurel. 
Kelly, um, you know, we were I got hot about it during the commercial break. I'm gonna try to keep my cool here. Oklahoma State basketball given a one year NCAA tournament ban. Like all people, they shall appeal. The NCAA Committee on Infractions this past Friday placed Oklahoma State men's basketball program on three years of probation. They can't play in any tournaments next year. It was a level one violation involving a former associate head coach. Here um, at Southern Miss, we certainly know what it's like um, to have the NCAA come down hard, uh, whether it's in 1982 for giving someone's mother a baked ham while everybody else was paying people gobs of money. We understand that the NCAA is a colorblind institution. They never do anything for themselves, but now they have placed Oklahoma State on probation. Boy, the sarcasm is is deep in Laurel too. Good, I, don't, I don't know how you it's guys Monday. drowning in those in, in those studios. But Luke, according to the NCAA, they're, they're, the next item on their agenda is uh, to punish Kansas and Louisville for basketball uh, infractions. I, I, you know, no, you don't think that's going to yeah, happen, right. do you, Kelly? Kansas well, and Louisville. Well, of course I do, and you know what that means. Central Michigan will get put on Set. probation. Yeah, they're they're nervous at Louisiana Monroe about this uh, about this Louisville basketball problem. I can tell you that, Kelly. Well, it would be. Let me tell you something. For credibility reasons, it would be big if they if they were to hammer Kansas because you know year in and year out, Kansas is one of the top basketball powers in the country. And and to the sarcasm that Luke was alluding to, and if I'm wrong, Luke, you can certainly straighten me out, but. Uh, we're, North Carolina, you know, has been guilty of uh, what most people would deem to be far more egregious violations in the past and have not been punished. So I think a lot of people are sitting here waiting to see exactly how Kansas and um, Louisville, you know, fare in this next line of uh, punishments that are, that are going to be dealt out. Um, because Southern Miss certainly knows it better than anybody. And a lot of people would say that that the violations that Southern Miss committed were were not as serious as, as the ones that Oklahoma State, Louisville, and Kansas are alleged. So, you know, it, it'll be, be real interesting to see how that how that pans out. When has the NCAA ever cared about credibility? I, I don't know. That's that. That's. Just, but you know, if you, if you don't have any credibility, then then you lose respect, and if you lose respect, then you lose your membership. But that may be where it's going anyway. Right. Well, you know. there, there can be no question that the history of the NCAA is that it's much harder on the smaller schools than it is the more key schools. And uh, that may not be 100% of the time, but certainly the majority of the time. Can we all agree with that? There, they were a lot harder on uh, – let's just go back to 1982, like Luke talked about, when Southern Miss was so prominent nationally in football – if you took those same violations that they really cracked USM for in 1982 and you applied those today, I don't know. Let's just throw a name out there. How about LSU? Uh, do you think the LSU football program would ever, ever face those kind of sanctions, Kelly? Even if they did, no. No, they wouldn't. But even if they did, schools like LSU, with all due respect, they can financially handle Correct. a hard hit. That's right. You know, that's, that's what people don't understand. Even if the penalty is the same, if Southern Miss and LSU had the exact same penalty, all right, LSU financially could weather it. 
Southern Miss, Central Michigan, Louisiana, Monroe, whoever you want to talk about, they can't. Right. I mean, they're, right. they're offering much more closer to the to the fringe financially than some of these other schools. So although they can say the penalties are equal, financially they're not because some people, some businesses, some schools can afford to take a hit where others, like Southern Miss, cannot. Right. Uh, Luke, you got anything else you'd like to say about the NCAA in the last minute? Last minute of the show. Well, we got him lathered up, didn't yeah. we, Bob? National okay. Cheating Academics and Athletics. Mm. Wow. Wow, boy, I'm telling you what. That... This is this is Monday, y'all. I'm boy, telling this... you. Not caring about the group of five. That didn't end with A's, but there you go. Wow. If you don't make us money, we will punish you. If you make us money, we will overlook you. I mean, let's be honest, you know, Ole Miss fought, okay, and said stuck their tongue out at the NCAA. I mean, they didn't get much, right? Well, they did, but at the same, Missouri is like, hey, this is what we did. Hey, you can't go right. play bowl games next year. Real quickly, I want to thank Fourth uh, Street Bar and Grill for their sponsorship of the show. Eight ninety five lunches Monday through Friday. They're back open. It's a great place to enjoy yourself. Also, Toyota of Hattiesburg for their fine sponsorship of our show as well. We appreciate uh, all of our sponsors and want to remind everybody again about DBAT and D1 Baseball Facility, state of the art, now open in Hattiesburg. And uh, we'll be undoubtedly talking more about that in the days to come. Well, that wraps up a Monday and an interesting Monday it was as we had plenty of discussion about the NCAA and uh, the future of football. I promise I'll be in a better mood tomorrow. All right. That's a promise. You have nowhere to go but up. (laughs) <laughs> Southern Miss. <laughs> to, the to the top. top. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.